Hi, this is Dr. Jose Saldivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. One of the real benefits and, and privileges that I have as a host of this podcast is that I get to meet phenomenal people, extraordinary people with, with amazing stories. And, uh, and it, it really is, for me, it is a, a privilege, it is a blessing to, to create a space for folks to share and hopefully, you know, inspire um, and encourage others who are listening to, to on their own paths, on their own journeys. And today is no different. Today, I have um, a young man who I'm somewhat familiar with his journey, but I'm really looking forward to, to hearing really the, the everything because I, I, I've heard bits and pieces and so I'm eager to hear what he has to share with us. So, Cesar, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners sure. out there? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Cesar Barron Castro. I am a DACA recipient. I am a civil engineer specializing uh, in structural engineering. And I, I own Barron Engineering. Awesome. Also, I'm a little nervous because I'm, I'm a pretty private guy. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you're going to have to help me out a little bit here. <laughs> you're going to be fine, Cesar. I know you're going to be fine. So, but thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Um, especially since, you know, you said you're a private guy. So, um, I know, I know coming on and sharing your story is, isn't necessarily an easy thing. So I appreciate what you're doing today. Sure. Cesar, I, um, I start off every one of my podcasts with the same question. And the question is, if you had to go back and identify a starting point in your educational journey, what would that starting point be for you? Uh, that's, I guess I have two answers to that. Um, one of them being when I first came to the United States, I was eight years old. Um, and I came here illegally so when I crossed the border, I remember very specifically seeing the American flag and I was like, oh man, I don't know why. I remember that moment just very vividly. And it's like, I'm here for the taking. I was <laughs> 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 an eight-year-old. I remember this. Uh, I just, you know, I just spent two or three months with my uh, 12-year-old brother, just us two in Monterrey by ourselves with our uh, coyotes, right? So that was just nerve-breaking, even as an eight-year-old. Um, anyway, seeing that American flag was just like, oh, okay, let's do this. It's just, I'm not here to play games. Again, that's very a very weird thing to say from an eight-year-old perspective, you know? Um, so I guess I, I do remember uh, that I started, I believe, in fourth grade here in the United States. And I had teachers who taught me English um, and were very encouraging. And I'd say that's really when my first educational journey began. But then, you know, I, I, I did become a little mischievous and whatnot. <laughs> and fast forward to high school, uh, I wasn't too into school. I did like math. Um, so I was good in my math classes and uh, not so much in physics, though. I am a structural engineer now, so <laughs> that's just a funny thing. But uh, I'm good now. I'm good now. And um, 
I remember that I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to make it in terms of uh, grades to, to college. And I got accepted to the Blint team. That's, um, that's a collaboration between uh, Blint College in Bryan, Texas and Texas A&M University. And I'm not, I don't remember exactly what the whole goal is, but I do know it's, it's, what happened to me was I got accepted to this program where I would take half of my courses, introductory courses at Blinn, and then the other engineering half, introductory engineering courses at AM. Well, I was nervous because I didn't have the money for it, though it was relatively cheap um, as compared to going to AM full time. And this is where this, 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 the second spot of my journey begins is um, I, Ever since I was 14, 15, I worked as a ranch hand with this man, this amazing man. Um, I, I consider him a, kind of like a father figure also, you know, a mentor. And uh, grew up working with him. Um, I told him I was 17, by the way, because, you know, legal age and whatnot, I kind of lied. <laughs> but, uh, back to my um, point in time where I was about to enter college, this man, Again, he's a very hard worker. He taught me a lot of things. He never is the type of guy that, you know, I guess I get a lot of my um, uh, mentality from, you know, you don't deserve anything in life, you earn it type of thing. And he comes up to me one day after work, um, because I would go work for him after school and on the weekends and whatnot. And he just says, hey, here's a a gift from from, uh, Jane and I. That's his beautiful wife. And it's a thousand dollar check. I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't want to take my, I was frozen, right? And finally, I, I, I he's like, grab it. And I, I, I take it and I just hug him. And I, you know, I start, I mean, I, I did cry, but um, that, I guess that it was a realization of, man, it's, it's happening. <laughs> I didn't think, I, to be up to that point, I, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to go. Um, and so, submitted the payment. Um, did my freshman and sophomore year um, through Blinn's team and had to maintain a good enough GPA. I think it was 3.5 or something. I don't remember. And I transferred on, or sorry, towards the end of my sophomore year, I was struggling quite a bit to maintain uh, rent and, you know, just living expenses and whatnot with my family. And I said, man, I got to do something about it. I mean, let me go talk to a professor. So I was taking at the time a a class with Dr. Jones in mechanics and materials. And I go up to his office. I didn't know what I was going to ask him. I just I just went up there and and I said, hey, how's it going? My name is so and so. And um, so do you like soccer? It was a very random question because I saw the <laughs> clock on his wall that it was a soccer ball. <laughs> and, and it was a little awkward conversation. And he's like, I do, I do. And he just, we talked for like five minutes. I walk out. It was very awkward. And um, I, I kept thinking, man, okay, I, let me see what else I can ask him. And I just keep bugging him, keep bugging him. Finally, I started asking him actual questions about the class. I wasn't struggling with the class. I just wanted to meet the guy. Yeah. And he finally got tired of me, I guess, after the fifth time. He said, okay, what is your name? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, my name is Isabel Roncaster. It's like, okay. And we just, we just developed a relationship that allowed me to do so much. Um, I mean, he, 
he encouraged me to apply to scholarships um, because I, 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 I was I'm a DACA recipient. I couldn't get scholarships from the government, or anything. it was pretty hard for me to get scholarships and money in that sense, grants. And he said, "Why don't you apply to to uh, scholarships from the engineering, uh, engineering college of engineering? Sorry, college of engineering." And I said, I can do that. He said, yeah, of course, they're open to anyone. You know, you, you have these companies and corporations just donating money for this purpose. So I did last minute, of course. And and sure enough, I, I got a scholarship that pretty much paid my way through junior and senior year. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. It pays to go and talk to your professors, huh? Oh, my gosh, it did. You know, um, I mean, just it started with talking to him and then just talking to other professors and just going in and bugging them and again a lot of times it was a little awkward because there was no real rhyme or reason as to why i was going i was just like let me go bug him and try to develop a relationship um and he offered me a uh, not a teaching assistant position because i was not a graduate student so he couldn't do that so i was essentially working helping him for free and helping other students learn uh, dynamics and these, these courses that we take for structural engineering. Well, this helped me because in that during that time, as I was an, un, an undergrad, uh, junior, I believe, I, I I met this man, William Williams, who works for the Texas A&M uh, Transportation Institute. And he was getting his PhD at the time. And he was just, you know, going to that, to Dr. Jones's class to, to just freshen up on some topics and dr jones said hey william's looking for a for um an engineering training to help him out so we got to meet and and i got a job as an intern at the texas a&m transportation institute uh, working for william williams and uh, what i did there was help with the design of bridge railings this is what he specializes in and also anti-terrorism barriers um, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> and again, just kind of following up in this uh, evolving effect of meeting people was um, when I when I was a junior, uh, I went to a career fair that I, I, I didn't think I was fit enough because I didn't have really the highest GPA, the, all the experience, all the internships. But I remember this gentleman just, it was the end of the day and I was there for eight hours and no one really was interested in me. This gentleman just comes by and knocks, you know, taps me in the back. <laughs> and he says, hey, you're a structural engineer? I said, yes. And he said, uh, because we had the, the tag on our chest that said what, what, you know, what department we were from. And he said, are you interested in explosions? I said, kind of, <laughs> sure. <laughs> You know, any other career, I'd be wary if somebody says, are you interested in explosions? <laughs> but I guess we're a structural engineer, so that it makes sense. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so it turned out, um, it was a gentleman working for Baker Risk. They're this international company that um, is composed of chemical engineers and different types of specialties, um, mechanical engineers, structural engineers, and they work with petrochemical facilities. Um, and they help mitigate, uh, mitigate damages from explosions or that sort of thing, right? So that's why he was asking me if I like like these explosions uh, to try to help mitigate building damage from those. And so 
I interviewed. Um, I got I got the job for an eight month uh, co op. It was an eight month co op offer, and it was great. I met John Dyer there, and just 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 an amazing guy. He actually he's actually Mexican, full Mexican. When he first started speaking to me in Spanish, I said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like John John Dyer. Is that your name? <laughs> Uh, so it was just it was it's a great experience there. Um, so I said, I'm going to stop you really quick because mm-hmm. I mean, you you talk about two points in your life that that you could say your your education started here, and the first I want to go back to you talked about coming to the U.S. You're eight years old, correct? Yes. You talked about being in Monterrey for two to three months. Was that right? Two to three months with just it was just you and your brother. Correct. Um, my whole family had already migrated to the United States, uh-huh. and um, my oldest brother and I were the last one from our <clears throat> from our family to cross into the United States. And we we were in Mexico for about two to three months, um, just with um, uh, I guess our coyotes. Um, and just a bunch of people around us, <laughs> people we didn't know, mostly just grown-up people, right? Yeah. And, um, so yeah, so we were there for two or three months, and every now and then, I think once I remember one of my family members, uh, one of my aunts, come and visit us just to check in and see if everything was all right. Because um, we we're from Guanajuato, so you know, it's kind of central Mexico, I believe, central south southern Mexico. And uh, but for the most part, yeah, we were it was just just us two, and we crossed over um, with this lovely lady and and her daughter. And, uh, we actually crossed over the, the bridge itself. <laughs> and, go ahead. Do you, you're eight years old and were you scared? Uh, no, yes, no, because I remember it, it's, it's funny now, but I, I remember um, my brother may call me a liar. I don't know that we we tried once to cross over and you know we, we were called back to it was like oh the, the people that weren't before us they got stopped so that's not risky and then we got transferred to another coyote i suppose and that's where this lady came in this um, older lady and there they would put us in rooms where they would kind of i guess imitate uh interrogating us asking us our names or birth dates or this and that because it was it was an hours um and where you're from and all this and the accent of, and that was the scariest part and I, I guess in retrospect they did it on purpose so that we wouldn't be scared when it, it came down to it um but no when when we walked through the bridge it was it was nice people were just real nice to us we just kind of said hi and bye and just walked through and that's what i mean i just i remember stepping over that white or yellow line the u.s <laughs> looking at the flag and just be like oh i want to jump but <laughs> I, I imagine, you know, and I wanted to ask because, you know, you you talk about the relationships that you establish when you're in college and the people that you meet and 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 the, it sounds you make it sound really easy. Oh, the ease, the ease, well, the ease with which you went up and met with professors and and people and developed these relationships, right? And I say you you make it sound easy because. Yeah, I, I don't, I work with first, first generation students, first year students, uh, been doing it for about 20 years now. And I can get, I can encourage my students, get my students to do a lot of things. Asking them to visit a professor 
yeah. is, um, you know, that's hard. And for you to say, you know, I went and I just, you know, had no kind of ulterior motive except I want to get to know this professor and I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to go. Like the persistence and, and again, the ease that you make it sound um, is, is something that I think, I, I, I don't know, if you're, you just uh, to cross with your 12-year-old brother to the United States to be on your own for two or three months. I mean, we're, you're around a bunch of adults, but still, um, I, I don't know. That's, that's, um, I think that says a lot about you and just, you know, and also that attitude that you said when you crossed and you saw the flag and you said, all right, it's mine for the taking. Like, it, like just not one to pass up opportunities. Is that safe to say? Yes. Um, <clears throat> it, it is, but at the same time, it, Every single step of the way has been scary. I'm not gonna lie, it's been nerve-wracking um, because, and I'll go back to your point about meeting people, but um, there was, going up, there was always this, this worry of, man, I'm scared of cops. Uh, I, we thought they were gonna stop us, ask us if we were Mexican and send us back to Mexico. You know, we're just not informed. We're, we're ill-informed. And the more and more I learned about things, and like I said, just meeting this gentleman um, in my life, um, uh, his name is Johnny Mancuso, great guy, man. Um, just, I think that's, in my life in general, that was a turning point because he got me out of my comfort zone. You know, he's strong personality, um, just amazing guy. He's just he's a business leader. He's, he's very well known and um, just who we are, and, and you know, he's—I would say—he's white. Is a is staunch Republican. He's a, he's a, but again, I—I I, I didn't know any of this when I was growing up. You know, I didn't—I didn't know these things, and um, and as I got to know him and work with him, I—I I saw that he just respected people who worked hard. He himself came up from humble beginnings, and he's just an amazing guy. And he'll give you an opportunity if you show that you're you're the type of guy who's going to take it, right? Um, and like I said, I, I kind of lied my way through a couple of things. Of, you know, I'm 18, 17, really, I'm 15 <laughs> to try to work. But um, these, even that experience, when I first was introduced with him, to him um, through my dad, I, I was very nervous. I was like, man, I'm going to fudge up this job. I, I barely speak English. How you do? <laughs> I, uh, I could speak English, but... Um, and even, I guess, fast forwarding that same sort of mentality to, um, to college, I was like, man, I'm going to mess this up. I, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but hey, you know what? I know how to work. I'm going to put in work. I'm not going to let anyone outwork me. Um, so, and I didn't. There was a lot of late nights, a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of and um, struggle. But again, a lot of that could have been prevented by being more open to people. And now answering your question about meeting with professors, I figured that I didn't know anyone in, 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 in uh, that was an engineer, that was a doctor, you know, I just, pe people are born to those environments. People do know people who are in that environment, but I just didn't, right? I just didn't know anyone like that. And I said, well, who's the closest person that I am in touch with that could get me in that environment and i was like well that's probably a professor <laughs> and uh, and that's what i was like all right let me try to meet some of these people because i don't i don't know what to do my grades are eh, they're okay 
Um, but I mean, it makes, I'm not going to let this opportunity go to waste. I'll be dang, um, you know? Uh, so that's when I just started going. And like I said, it was just weird, awkward, but I said, I got to do this. I got to do something. And like I said, I'm not the smartest guy, but I'll, I'll make something happen. So, so no, it, it didn't come any, all of what I've done has not come as easy as I guess I make it seem it's, um, and I'm young. I'm very young, actually, for what I've said. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did call you a young man, says that. Yeah. I did call you a young man. <laughs> so, you know, I was speaking like I'm 40 or something. Yeah, I'm pretty young. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just, and even when I met John Dyer, all these guys, like I was I was like a dog with a tail between his legs, you know. It's just like, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm this guy who got, somehow got this job. <laughs> um but I, I started having a lot more confidence as I got to meet these people and people who saw that I was there to make something out of it. And because they saw that I wasn't just there to waste my time, they were more willing to help. I started asking for help. I started asking for advice, you know, uh, starting to poke the brains and, uh, and and they saw this. So they, they were like, all right, let me, let me take a, a chance with this guy and try to help him out. And I started developing my... I guess my, my confidence, that makes any sense. And that, uh, by doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Right. You've, you've done it, you do it enough times, right. And you start to feel pretty confident. This is the way things work. And you seem, you had, you had some early success with those early relationships. And so, yeah, I, um, you know, I often, I often share with, with folks when I went away to school, um, yeah, I, I didn't know anybody and I, I was kind of a quiet kid. Um, and I absolutely stepped out of my comfort zone and, and I always tell my students, you know, I, I lived in my dorm and I, I went like door to door and like, hi, I'm Jose Salir. Hi, I'm Jose Salir. <laughs> kind of so that everybody, everybody knew me, but I, and even, even with professors, you know, I remember, um, one feeling, especially like a fish out of water and, and, you know, I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And I remember, early on in one of my first classes, a professor saying like participation was 20% of your grade and they were really small seminar style classes. So I thought, holy crap, I don't, I don't feel confident. I don't feel smart. So I remember going and, and I basically lived in office hour. I'd go to my, I would go to all of my professors and I'd introduce myself and tell them, look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm doing all the reading. I'm trying my best. I'm just really nervous. I'd tell them about myself, tell them about where I was coming from. And and that that worked. That worked for me. So I, I absolutely get what you're saying, right? You you, you go out, you put yourself out there, and and you have that little bit of success, and you figure, you know what? I think I can do this moving forward. So, you you, you're Blinn. You meet all of these people, right? Taking classes at A and M. You get your junior senior paid for, which is amazing, right? Now, you know. We didn't, we didn't get to discuss this, but when you're a high school kid, you know, you mentioned you were a ranch hand, all of this work that you're doing, did you have college in mind? Was that part of the plan? (laughs) What what was your plan, Zesai? I was going to be an NFL superstar. So wait, were you wait? Were you playing football? I was. I was oh, okay. Kicker. I was a decent kicker, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that that was that was in my mind how I was going to get out of you know having to do manual labor and all this stuff. And uh, I, I mean, I was in high school and I had enough of it. 
mean, I remember uh, after football games on Friday nights, or yeah, I think it was usually Friday nights. The next day, it's just you know, you come back home late and whatnot and tired. I had to be up at six because Johnny was expecting me at seven. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, um, I was decent at, in, in in high school with uh, kicking, I guess, and. I was, I used to check in on myself and my ranking, but I was like top three in the state and that sort of deal. Um, and I had my junior year uh, scouts, uh, I think at one point, and they just kind of just kind of went to see who I was because, you know, they're our neighbors in Navasota, Texas. We're 20, 30 minutes away from AM. Uh, University of Houston, the Air Force, uh, who, Sam Houston. You know, those colleges were interested in me. And at the same time, they wanted me to either fly out there or, or go to them to go to these camps. But I, I was just this guy who was like, man, I can't get a plane ticket. I can't, you know, I can't do these things. So I just, I bet I could, <laughs> you know, not think, think about it. But um, I messed up my ankle playing soccer, uh, just kind of with my brothers. And from there, my kicking career was was over pretty much because you know my, my kicks were going either left or right and, just, <laughs> and that's that's what i mean by a senior year i was just like all right i guess i guess i could try college <laughs> Cesar, let me ask you your you said you know your parents immigrated to the states ahead of you um were they encouraging you to go to college? What were they? What were yes. they? What were their hopes for you? Yes, they, they wanted me to go to college. Um, there, I have four siblings, so it's five of us total, five kids. And to all of us, they were like, "Hey, um, uh, growing up, you know, my dad was very much a, you've, you've got to work, you've got to do this, you earn the value of the dollar." Um, I said, but first and foremost, you got to get you an education. You got to learn how to speak the language. You got to learn what the customs are here. You got to, you know, you got to respect that. And and they were always saying, don't waste your time. Get you an education. You know, it's, figure it out. And that that sort of deal. So yes, they were very much. They didn't know how it was going to happen either. That my my brother actually, Carlos, my oldest brother, was the first one to go to college. And he, I mean, I respect him. He was the one that figured it out all himself because my parents they just didn't know anything. Um, he went to Texas A&M Prairie View University and you know, he's an electrical engineer now, but thanks to him, you know, that also was helping, it helped me say, okay, you know, I can do this. I'm, I'm gonna ask him how he met his friends, how, you know, he, he did a couple of things. So, so to answer your questions, yes, my, my, my parents were always persistent on, you guys get, get you an education. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I guess having an older brother who's going into electrical engineering, was that where the interest for engineering came from? Where did that come from? I think so. No, I think engineering in general, yes, he was just a role model, you know, but uh, also just working with my hands growing up. Uh, yeah, little things like building fences, welding, uh, chopping up stuff and <laughs> being a ranch dad or every now and then on random weekends go with my brother building fences or putting up a little small little barns together and whatnot i i wanted to go into construction you know i figured you know there's these big old buildings who actually is behind the desk calling the shots i want to be that guy <laughs> <laughs> no more manual labor for you huh <laughs> uh, uh, i think 
you know, I, I remember thinking along those lines, but it was never of, okay, well, how do I get there? How do I, you know, until I got to college, I, I figured out, okay, civil engineering deals with construction. I'm going to get in there. And then once I took a couple of courses, like I said, um, introductory courses, my first and second year of college, I was like, oh, okay, I like structural engineering. And that's where I started getting into my career. So you finish up at A&M and then what, what is it like for, because I, you know, I, I meet countless students that say, I want to be an engineer. And so you finish up at A&M and earlier at the beginning, when you introduced yourself, you said you, you own your own company now, right? Um, I don't, I don't imagine that when you graduated from A&M, you immediately said, oh, I'm going to open up my own company. Did it do, did you do that? Or what, what's the, what's the route that most <laughs> engineers take, or in your case, a structural engineer, what's the route that most structural engineers take when you're done with your undergrad? So most engineers, but what I would encourage people to do is, is try to meet people, get an internship, go to these career fairs, go to these, um, um, I don't know what to call them clubs, I guess. Um, for engineering and things like that. So you can network. Networking is key. It's just uh, meeting people, networking and, and your group of friends because all my group of friends were these guys were also in my same situation mostly actually where they grew up with certain circumstances that they couldn't do certain things that were either also illegal or, or just at a uh, humble beginnings, you know. So we were all hungry for it and I, I guess I'm a little, me and a couple of friends were a little bit of an exception, exception. In our junior year, we said, we can open up shop. <laughs> you know, uh, we, again, we, we had the mindset of, we came here, we're not going to waste our time. Um, you know, it's, I'm not going to be, um, what's the word? Um, satisfied, I suppose, with just going into a desk and, and, leaving and going back and leaving and going back working for someone else when that's that's what my parents have done this entire time and you know um we came here for a reason so like back to your question sorry i got a little sidetracked most people go get internships and then get an engineering job and then they work a couple of years maybe five to six years as a engineering training and a, a project engineer and then from there, they probably get transferred to a project managerial role, and then from there, just kind of climb, start climbing the ladder, right? Or if you just want to stay technical, you start really, really specializing in some sort of engineering material or something. I was very fortunate in the sense that I, I, I got introduced to different, uh, with, let me back up, within civil engineering, there's seven, seven uh, specialties, and I don't remember them all, but there's water resources, structural engineering, traffic engineering, um, and four others. And I was fortunate to see some of the transportation engineering, I suppose, with William Williams, like I mentioned before, during my internship. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see a very specialized form of structural engineering with uh, John Dyer at Baker Risk. I um, also got an internship later on, thanks to Ricardo Martinez at Walter P. Moore um, in Houston. And, uh, uh, and there they do these awesome, huge buildings in downtown Houston. They, they designed the Ranger Stadium, that, you know, that's those sorts of buildings, really tall, high-rise buildings. And 
Um, I got to see that and worked a little bit with concrete um, beams and stuff like that. And uh, I got to do some civil engineering design and detention ponds and uh, um, like a cladding and things like that with Paul Malik, actually in my hometown in Arizona, Texas, he has his own firm there. And I, I worked with them during my master's. Um, I was full-time with them and full-time during my master's. And I was a project engineer with them. So I got to do a range of things with them uh, with, uh, in wastewater treatment plants, um, those sorts of structures. I got pretty good at those. And also some civil engineering, uh, county bridges. I got, so I got a vast array of design experience that has, I guess, shaped me in a different way. I, don't, I didn't really specialize in one specific thing, but I worked hard in a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, sorry, I forgot your question. I just kind of went off well, the rails. <laughs> you know, we, no, 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 that's good. Because I, I think like we were talking about, you know, right, what's, what's next after? So, you know, you said that, you know, five to 10 years, you know, you kind of work your way up. Um, you said you and your buddies knew you kind of wanted to open up your own shop. You guys had that idea in mind. Um, so you're doing all of this work. At what point did you decide I need to open up my own shop or what time, at what point did you feel? I mean, cause it sounds like in throughout all of your story, you were never lacking in confidence. So uh, I, was, I was always very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, nervous is one thing, but, but being confident enough to say, I'm going to go talk to these professors. I'm going to, you know, talk to these folks. I'm going to work on, get this internship, right? You're, you've, you've graduated. You, um, at what point do you say, I'm going to open up my own shop? I always had the idea, like I said, but the point where it was going to become a reality, uh, I think was about this time last year when I decided, you know what, I can do this. Uh, I should do this. And the reason, well, not a reason, but part of the reason why I got the confidence to make the huge jump, it is a huge jump. I mean, it's you know significant was that uh, in the years leading up to that, even during that time when I was thinking about it last year, um, I was talking to a lot of different engineers that I met along the way. Like, uh, and I would ask them questions about, you know, what, what made you choose this career path? What do you, like I said, I just wanted to meet them. I wanted to make that connection. I wanted to make a relationship to learn from them, not to gain anything from them, but to just learn and, and get their advice. And I remember um, maybe during my second, first internship, somebody said, what if I open up my own business? And for whatever reason, you know, it just kind of stuck with me. And um, it was one of, the, one of these engineers. And then another one I don't know, said, it doesn't, when I moved out uh, from that co-op and I told him, sorry, I won't be coming back. Uh, one of them said, it doesn't need to be the biggest structure or building. It just needs to be a building, right? So he gave me good advice. Like, you don't need to have the biggest, fanciest title or job or, or de design the biggest, fanciest thing or the most complicated thing. And... And... Uh, as I was talking to these people, um, one of them said, one who is, you know, just a very, very good engineer, just world-class guy, um, literally, <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of engineering, is that it's a good thing that this is what you were doing. Looking back, I would have done it. Um, and again, this is an older gentleman. And even Paul Malik, whom, whom I worked for um, just recently, he actually, he, that's who I worked for before opening up shop. 
He said, if there's anyone that can do this, it's you, right? So talking to all these engineers and um, getting this, this sort of feedback because I was letting them know what my thoughts were. I was just completely open. Um, reassured me, yeah, man, you know, you, you, you can do it and, and you want to do it. So I'm not afraid of risk, man. I, I risked, my family and I risked it all by coming over. So, <laughs> uh, it, you know, in, in a very real sense. So, um, and even talking to people like Johnny and, 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 and really people who aren't afraid to hurt your feelings, people who really care about you, people who will tell you the honest truth. <laughs> uh, you know, I was waiting for the guy to tell me, nah, you don't have it in you, man. What are you doing? Here? <laughs> or, 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 yeah, you should wait a couple of years. Oh, you should. <clears throat> yeah, no, a lot of these guys were like, man, sounds like, you You know, I've worked with you, you uh, especially Rod. You know, I said, I've worked with you. you um, you're a great engineer. You've made up your mind. Go for it, man. You're young. And, you know, to, like my other mentors, you know, same thing. They're like, hey, anyone can do it. It's you, uh, you. You're cut from a different hide. And you, those, 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 sorts of, those sorts of encouragements. Um, so I decided to do it. And and uh, I guess that was the point. Last around this this month, last year, yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> for, you know, you mentioned a couple of things right now. You said, you know, you're you're aware of risk, right? Your family risked everything to come to the States to give you all better opportunities. And you've taken advantage of, of those opportunities. Um, what advice would you give? Um, what advice would you give young people who are sort of finding their way, finding their way at the university, just getting started and, you know, just looking for some sort of direction. You know, you, you took it upon yourself to go talk to that professor, you know, maybe speak from that point, right? I don't know what it was that told you, I need to talk to this guy, but what advice would you give somebody who's just lost? They're looking for direction. You seem to have found your direction early. What advice would you give somebody looking for theirs? Um, you know, I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and, and you were going to ask something like this. So I went out and I said, you know what? I know what I'm going to say. Let me see what these other guys have to say. Like I said, I have friends who were in the same boat, so to speak, as I was. that went to college and now are doing very well. Um, first and foremost, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. I learned that from Johnny at a very early age. <laughs> Uh, so just be persistent. That's really what that means, right? Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Be persistent. And I suppose there's four more things that I wrote down, and I'll say uh, things that I've learned from people along the way. Like I mentioned, I always ask people for advice. Always, even if you know, if I think I'm gonna bug them, it's like you know what? The worst thing they can say is no. Whatever. Yeah. Um, surround yourself with as an acronym, rich people, and that's responsible people with integrity, people with good character, and people that are honest. And so essentially people who aren't afraid to hurt your feelings because they have these attributes, right? Then never be the smartest person in the room. Just be yourself and be humble. Um, have initiative, reach out to people and ask for help. That's a big one. I do that all the time, man. Um, and man, just get it done. <laughs> just, you know, I, like I said, I, 
every time I do something and I think it's a big step, I do get nervous, you know, just naturally, everyone does. If people say they don't, they're lying to you. Um, but at the end of it all, it's like, just, just get it done, man. You know, you're already here. Just, just do it. That's great advice. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you prepped. <laughs> <laughs> Although I never know, I never know what I'll ask, but yeah, for the most part I do ask, right? What advice would you give, you know, give people starting out? So, so I appreciate that. I really do. Cesar, thank you for your time this afternoon. Is there, um, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with or anything you, you, we didn't get to talk about that maybe you'd like to talk about or? Uh, I, I can mention before. <laughs> It's funny. I said before that I was a pretty private guy. Here I'm chatting it up, right? <laughs> I, I haven't had any problems getting you to talk this. <laughs> but, uh, but I knew that. I knew I. I knew I wouldn't. Um, I guess the reason is because I, I know there's people out there like me who are worried, are scared. When I, you know, when I was in high school, or are nervous. Man, I can't do this because of my legal status. I can't do this other thing because of whatever circumstances in life. But. I can, like, like I said, just just do it, man. What, what's 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 the worst thing that can happen, really? You know, just all you if you already hit rock bottom. In the case of my family, we came over, we had nothing. I remember that very vividly. You know, we were all in a little, um, what do you call those campers? The, yeah, but not even yeah. a whole mobile home. Seven of us stuck in there. You know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was like, I can go back to that. It's no big deal. You know, it's, if 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 worst comes to worst, you know, I'll. I'll I'll do it all over again. I don't. I don't mind starting all over and working hard. So, well, let's do it. I don't. I don't know if you d- don't tell Olivia that she might. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she won't let me. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, she will. But Cesar, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much. I enjoyed hearing your story. I like I said, I I heard bits and pieces of it, um, but to to hear it from you and. And to see the, um, I think the enthusiasm that you, that you tell it with, I really appreciated that. Um, yeah, um, I was probably all over the place, but Hey, hopefully people can get something out of that. That's, that's the point, man. I, I, when I created the podcast, it was because I think we sell kids on this idea that, that life is a straight line and it's rarely a straight line. Yeah. I'm young and I'm surprised. People point that out to me often, you know. Just, oh, you have a business, but you're 27. I said, yes, yeah, so <laughs> good. Uh, so yeah, that's just like you said. It's not a straight path. It's just a winding road, I suppose. Yeah, still lots, lots to learn still. <laughs> we we all do. We all do, right? And and I think as long as we accept that and we embrace it, I think we're all good. So, Cesar, thank you again. Uh, This concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Tune in next time. Don't forget to follow, um, subscribe, and rate. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.